1: Episode 221 of the Read to Lead podcast is brought to you in part by Self-Publishing School and by FreshBooks. Get a free copy of Chandler Bolt's book, Published, when you sign up for free training on how to go from blank page to published author in as little as 90 days. Visit readtoleadpodcast.com published to get your free copy now. And for 30 days, you can use FreshBooks cloud accounting software absolutely free. Get access to all of their features and you don't even need a credit card to take advantage of their free trial. To find out more, freshbooks.com/slash read to lead.
0: defining success on your own terms means standing in a space where you are taking care of you regardless of what's going on around you. And that can be very challenging sometimes.
1: Hello and welcome to the Read to Lead podcast. It's the podcast dedicated to your personal and professional growth. I'm your host. My name is Jeff Brown. And I believe that if you desire to achieve true success in business and in life, then you have to want to be a lifelong learner. In other words, intentional and consistent reading is a must. Now, the Read to Lead podcast is not only going to help you narrow this ever important reading list, but help bring you the key insights and main ideas from some of today's most successful and inspiring authors and their books. In a moment, you and I are going to sit down with a young lady by the name of Lisa Robin Young, author of Creative Freedom, How to Own Your Dreams Without Selling Your Soul. I'm going to ask Lisa to share about the various types of creative entrepreneurs and the blind spots that each type needs to watch out for, the four strengths every creative entrepreneur needs to be successful, her advice for creating raving fans for your work, and much more. Now, if you consider yourself like me, a creative entrepreneur, you know, the thing you need as much as anything is time to cultivate fresh ideas. And I'm happy to say that my time is one of those things I get more of when I use my cloud accounting software, FreshBooks. It sounds crazy, but it's true. And they're a sponsor of this episode of Read to Lead. And I am glad for that. FreshBooks makes cloud accounting software for creative professionals like you and me so straightforward to use. It's going to save hours every week and you'll have more time to let your creativity flourish. It's awesome. They've taken simplicity and speed to an entirely new level and also added powerful new features. Now, I can't cover them all, but sending a branded invoice in say under 30 seconds and enabling payments in two clicks is a good place to start. And there's also a new projects feature where you can invite employees or contractors to collaborate and easily share information, files, and updates. Now is a fantastic time to try Freshbooks because they're offering an unrestricted 30 day free trial. There's no credit card required. All you have to do is go to freshbooks.com read to lead and enter read to lead in the how did you hear about us section. Again, That's freshbooks.com slash read to lead. Now, if you've ever thought about writing a book at some point in your life, you know the following fact to be true. Writing a book is hard. It can be very hard. And writing a book that actually makes money And gets read by real people People other than just your immediate family and friends is, is darn near impossible If you don't have a proven system in place That you can follow Now you may have heard me talk before About my friend Chandler Bolt He's been on the show a couple of times He's the founder of Self Publishing School An online education company Dedicated to one thing Helping people like you Get your book idea out of your head And onto paper as quickly as possible And then getting your published book Into the hands of as many readers As possible. Now, Chandler is hosting a free training where he's going to show you the exact process to follow to go from blank page to published author in as little as 90 days and the exact book launch blueprint to follow to launch your book to $10,000 and beyond and earn monthly royalties month after month. If you've ever thought about writing a book, whether to earn extra income, to generate leads for your business, or to share a story you've wanted to tell, you owe it to yourself to sign up for this free training you can register right now at read to lead slash published and when you register for the training you get a free copy of chandler's best-selling book published if nothing else register for the training so you can get the free book again go to read to lead slash published Lisa Robin Young is the founder of Arc Entertainment Media. It's a production company and business incubator for creative entrepreneurs, and she's helped uh, sales professionals, best-selling authors, actors, musicians, and uh, many other creatives make good money doing what they love with the time to enjoy their life in the process. Uh, She is an award-winning speaker, writer, and musician, and also wrote the international bestseller, The Secret Watch, Her latest album is a collection of pop-infused jazz and blues recorded as part of her 300 Songs project. Her latest book, and the one we're diving into today, is called Creative Freedom, How to Own Your Dreams Without Selling Your Soul, a guide to personal and financial success as a creative entrepreneur. Welcome to the woman who has the same name as my ex-wife's maiden name, Lisa Robin (laughs) Young.
0: (laughs) <laughs> oh, thanks for having me. I hope I hope you won't <laughs> hold that against me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> not at all. Lisa and I first met, gosh, it's not even been a week and a half ago. Nope. And I was giving a talk and she was sitting in the front row. And I believe she was also the first to raise her hand and ask a question. Yep. And the first to send me an email the next morning. And she mentioned that... Uh, uh, her VA, I think it was, had pitched me the book before, and, and and that email had gone without a response. And I did make mention that I do get a lot of pitches uh, every every week, every year, but that I may just have deleted the email out of fear when I saw <laughs> when I saw Lisa's name. <laughs> but, but we're going to put that aside here for just a second and uh, dive into what I think is a, is, a, is an amazing book and one you should pick up uh, today. First, before we do that, though, I, I I'd love for you to tell me a little bit more about this three hundred songs project you've worked on what's that about exactly
0: so as a creative entrepreneur um i really began my journey when i was about three years old i would round up all the neighborhood kids and (laughs) charge them a quarter and make them watch me sing and dance and so um later in life I'm, i'm in my 40s now uh back in about 2013 i was in a mysterious car incident and when It was all said and done. The car had careened across three or four lanes of traffic.
1: Mm.
0: Fortunately, thankfully, nobody was hurt. The car was fine. I was fine. But it was a real wake up call for me about, you know, I should probably be dead right now. What what the heck? What's this all about? And um, in that moment, I got this very clear prompting that I needed to get back into doing music because I had been coaching and doing business stuff for quite a while at this point. And so I'm like, All right, I'll start working on some songs. And then I'm a little weird. Like when I hear God's voice, it sounds like James Earl Jones. And he's like, (laughs) you will record 300 songs. And I'm like, what 300? That's like, that's like 24 albums. Like, really, you want me to do that? And so I've been working on it now for a few years. We're a little over 100 songs in, and it's just a variety of songs in a bunch of different genres. I'm more and more leaning towards pop-infused jazz and blues, which is what the last album was. But I mean, we've done rap and country and just pretty much across the board.
1: Wow. I I keep hearing James Earl Jones in my head saying things like, (laughs) Lisa, I am your (laughs) ex-husband. (laughs) But I digress. Well, uh, help us understand, uh, as you share early in the book, what you mean when you say that all entrepreneurs are creative, but not all creatives are entrepreneurs. And and exactly what is a creative entrepreneur?
0: Creative entrepreneurs are people who create for a living. Now, most people tend to suspect that that means, oh, you're a singer, you're a dancer, you're a painter, you're a fine artist. Mm. And that's not necessarily the case. Um, Part of my work has been around uncovering this spectrum of creative entrepreneurship from the very chaotic non uh, nonlinear train of thought on one side. And these are the people that are typically considered the creatives of the world. All the way over to the very linear, these are your thought leaders. Um, mm-hmm. I've worked with people who are accountants, and you know, they've codified a system or a process. and they're that's the foundation of, what they're building a business on. So if you are a creator, and bluntly, we are all creators, but Mm. if you are a creator and then you choose to pursue that as a means of making a living, that makes you a creative entrepreneur. So all entrepreneurs, because we are creators by design, are creative.
1: Mm. Well, you talked too early in the book about, I think it's chapter three, the five key areas of success. And I'm often asked in giving talks, you know, uh, what is success or how do you define success? And I'm a big believer in that we kind of have to define that for ourselves. And you talk about how we need to develop our own definitions for each of these of these five key areas. Can you can you unpack that a bit?
0: Yeah. One of the things I like to tell my clients is that success is a destination and you are already there, (laughs) meaning all of the choices, the decisions, the things that you've said yes to, and the things that you've said no to over the course of your life up to this moment has created the success that you see around you right now. So if you don't like what you see around you right now, you don't like that definition of success, you need to make some different choices. Mm. And, and so for me, um, when I talk about the five key areas of success, they, they all start with F, that makes life easy. <laughs> um, faith, family, fitness, fortune, and freedom. And when I'm working with clients, and and these are actually outlined in more detail in my first book, The Secret Watch, um, but the whole idea here is everybody has a preconceived notion about what each of those words means, and it's going to be unique to you. My definition of faith one year might be very heavily steeped in my spiritual path, but then the next year it might be about faith in myself and what's possible for me and what I can do maybe in my business or with my family. And sometimes there's crossovers between those different areas. But the one thing that I know about each of those areas is that if you neglect any one of them for too long, you can quite literally die in that area. You let your fitness go for too long, you're not gonna be walking around on this planet. So it's important that you sit down, and I do this with my clients. Every year we sit down and we take each one at a time and go, okay, so for you this year, what does it mean to live a faith-filled existence? What does it mean to live a life of good fortune? What is it, who are the people that you're defining as your family this year? Because sometimes our friends fall into that category and sometimes they very much do not. And so we have to be very clear on what matters most to us as creative entrepreneurs, because that's how we show up and operate in the world is from our worldview and what's important to us. If we're constantly chasing somebody else's dream, then we're not being true to ourselves we're living we're living in what i call the shoulds we're shooting on ourselves <laughs> instead of doing what we were put here to do in the first place which is create and share that gift in a way that allows us to make good money doing what we love. Mm,
1: that, that is the, the way you've articulated that to me is just so brilliant. Uh, I love that. Uh, I should yeah. add that uh, Lisa has divided the book into four sections, uh, section or acts. I should say act one is defining your dream, act two, designing your dream, act three, pursuing your dream, and act four, owning your dream. Uh, in the second act, designing your dream, you talk about the different types of creative entrepreneurs. I, I'm wondering if you could shed uh, some light on that and also the blind spots uh, that each type needs to to watch out for.
0: This is really the thing that got this book off the ground in the first place mm-hmm. was I had been working with clients across this spectrum for years and I came to a point in my business where I couldn't figure out what my niche was anymore <laughs> um, because I had served so many people in so many different ways and so I literally wrote down on sticky notes all of the different things that I had done for clients, And started sorting them into piles and my kid thought this was some kind of crazy craft project looking (laughs) at all these sticky notes all over the place and so like 70 piles became 30 became 20 became 10 became two and a handful of stragglers that didn't quite fit either pile and one pile was a lot of tasks related to organization process getting things put together and systematized. And the other side was about helping people live their lives and and let go of the Vulcan death grip of control that they had over everything in their business. And then I had this handful of stragglers that kind of didn't really fit in either pile, but could have fit in both piles. And as I'm looking at these, these two stacks, it becomes clear to me, that it's not two camps, it's a spectrum. And these people that are kind of stragglers of which I am one, that was the problem, like I didn't fit in either of these piles. And I'm like, that can't be right, I gotta fit somewhere. And so as I relayed this out, I recognized that there was this spectrum of creative entrepreneurship from the very chaotic on one end. They go with the flow. They trust their gut. They eschew schedules and deadlines. And they don't like to talk about numbers. They just want to show up and do their thing, man. Right. (laughs) And then all the way on the other side are these very linear types, these Uh, process driven, get it done, meet the deadline, hit the budget, organized, organized, organized. Like I have a a friend whose husband made a spreadsheet for the leftovers in the refrigerator. And I'm like, okay, that guy's linear, very, very (laughs) linear. And then standing in the middle are people like me, we're fusion creatives. And we kind of stand with one foot in each world. We speak both languages. We love them and hate them pretty much equally. (laughs) We can't stay in one area for too long. We do a lot of things. We have our hands in a lot of pies. You might have heard the term multi-passionate or multi-faceted, uh, multi-potentialite. It's that same kind of energy because we can't go without some type of law and order in our lives for too long or we get way out in the weeds, but we can't stay chained to a system for too long because then we feel like we're in prison and we have no, no sense of, of freedom and in autonomy. So the blind spots, unfortunately, are also your greatest gift, your greatest strength. So, linears that can be very process-oriented and very systematized and very organized forget that there's a human element to doing business and living life. They become machines in their own businesses, cogs in their own wheels. And they start to say, well, I can do it myself because it'll save us money. And and so, they work, 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 and they forget you you get to have a life. It's okay to take some time off and enjoy yourself. And and. Linears typically come to me when they've hit a wall in growth and they're like, I I'm still managing, I'm the bottleneck, I'm managing all the things. And it's like, okay, it's time to let go of some of those things and trust some other people with, you know, getting those results done. Chaotics, on the other hand, very visionary, high level of excellence. Everything has to meet the thing that looks the way it looks and feels in their mind, right? And if it doesn't, then they don't want it. And I'm like, hey. Uh, Champagne wishes are great, but when you got Kool-Aid money, you gotta kind of look at this a little differently. And sometimes you have to make some concessions for now so that your perfectionism doesn't ruin the thing that you're trying to grow. And then fusion creatives stand in the middle. And because we're in the middle, we see people on one end who are way more in tune with their intuition, way more visionary than we are. And then at the other end, we see these linears who are way more organized and way more systematized and way more process-oriented than we are. And oftentimes, the linears come to financial success faster than the rest of us because they can stay focused on the numbers better than the rest of us. And so we stand in the middle as fusions and we suffer from comparisonitis. We look at these two other other worlds and go, well, we're not good enough compared to them. Mm. And we forget, well, we've got it all in us. So all <laughs> we have to do is just show up because stuff will get done if we just show up. And so when we fall into those, those traps of our blind spots, we forget that our greatest gift of doing the thing that makes us so good is the reason that people come to us in the first place. And if we push too hard in that direction, that's when things start to shake apart.
1: Well, I don't know about you, but I feel like right now I'm participating in one of Lisa's amazing coaching sessions. I'm just soaking it all in. This is great. (laughs) Thank you. Well, Lisa says at different stages of business development require a different type of of growth plan, Lisa. What are what are the growth plans that uh, you lay out in the book, and, and how does how does each one work exactly?
0: So there are three types of growth plans, and I'll hit those and then I'll explain them. Mm. The first one is a transition plan. The second one is a momentum plan, and the third one is a maintenance plan. Mm. So transition happens anytime we're in transition. We're leaving a day job or corporate America and we're trying to get our thing off the ground or we're pivoting from one niche to another or we're, we're basically starting in a place that Les McCune, author of the book Predictable Success, he talks about the growth cycle mm-hmm. of businesses and where each business falls. Every business starts in early struggle. And so if you're in early struggle, you have one goal. Get out of it as fast as possible. And you do that by finding a market that is big enough and big enough is relative to what you're trying to accomplish, um, big enough to support you financially in doing what you want to do. So transition plan is great for this stage of growth because you're typically going from something else into this thing. And the idea here is you've got to do some experimentation. Most people do not get it right, right out of the gate. As an example, in my lifetime, as an entrepreneur, I have run a candle manufacturing company, I had a mail order catalog company, I worked with direct sellers, I've been a business coach, I've been a musician and an author, like I've done a lot of things. And so there's a lot of pivoting involved in transitioning. And the idea is to, to create a plan that transitions you away from whatever it was you were doing and creates enough financial stability for you to move into the new thing, which means sometimes you have to do a little bit of experimenting. So you're going to float a couple of different offers out to your audience to find out what resonates. Mm. Once you find the thing that works, not the thing that feels like hotcakes. Okay, <laughs> let me be really clear on this because When you're brand new, chances are good it's not going to sell like hotcakes. you got seven subscribers on your email list. If you sell one thing, it's party time. (laughs) You got 7,000 people on your list and you sell one thing, it's time to tweak it. Okay. Um, So when you find the thing that sells, the thing that works, then you're moving into a momentum plan. You've got this one item, this one offer that's doing what it needs to do. Now you need to keep playing with the messaging. The experimentation isn't in the offer. It's in the messaging and the market to make sure that you're getting the right message to the right people so that the people keep showing up to buy. Then, and like a rocket, momentum starts to build and you you keep moving up, up, up until you hit the level of, of comfort that you're looking for in your business. Now, most creative entrepreneurs are not trying to make seven figures in seven minutes. They want a comfortable lifestyle, they want to replace an income usually from a corporate job that they had, maybe a little extra to afford some of the things that they didn't have before. Sometimes that's six figures, sometimes that's seven figures. It's less about the specific number and more about the lifestyle Mm. for most entrepreneurs. So with that in mind, when you get to that point with your momentum plan, it is time to shift into a maintenance plan where you want to keep things kind of consistent for yourself. Now, the reason a momentum plan is still a type of growth plan is because and I can credit Jonathan Fields for telling me this. He said there there is no lateral move. There is no sideways. Because if you step to the side, people are still moving forward and passing you. So now you've just stepped back. And so when you hit the place where you feel comfortable, when you've hit I call it your enoughness number, when you hit that number, when you hit that space, there are still things you have to do to keep course correcting to maintain that level for yourself. It means listening to your audience. It might mean modifying your offer as times change. You know, there was a time when newspapers, all they did was put ink on paper. Now they have online outlets. Now they have paywalls. They've, they've had to shift to be able to continue to serve an audience that works for them. And so that's why maintenance is still an important part of a growth plan. And when you get to maintenance, you have a decision to make. If you're comfortable with lifestyle, then according to Less's cycle of, of business growth, you're going to stay in what he calls fun. We like fun because <laughs> it's fun. The money is good. We're enjoying what we're doing. It's good times. But if you want to scale and you do want to build something that's much bigger than yourself and reaches across you know geographical lines and, and maybe is national or global, then you want to think about scaling up into predictable success. And so that's when you need to decide am I going to shift back into momentum and build another thing that I'm going to offer to the world and grow this thing some more or am I going to stay in maintenance? And the only decision there about maintenance versus momentum after you've hit maintenance once is about how you want to scale. So that's mm-hmm. that's how the growth plans work.
1: Well, as I always do, I will hit the highlights of this conversation on the show notes page I create, especially for this episode. But if you're listening to this while doing something else, I encourage you to take time to listen to it again and take notes (laughs) because this is is good stuff. Well, I I hear from a lot of people, Lisa, about the frustrations of building an audience and and, and most seem unclear as to what does it take exactly to, to do that effectively? What advice would you give to others about creating raving fans?
0: Mmm, I love this. <laughs> raving fans is not a hard thing to do, but it requires effort and patience. Mm. And so one of the things that is probably the, the most important piece of creating raving fans is creating resonance, right? You have to resonate with the right people and they have to resonate with you. If you're, if you're wearing a mask and you're pretending to be somebody you're not, especially as a creative entrepreneur, then people fall in love with that facade, <laughs> instead of falling in love with you. And then you start to resent what's going on because you don't get to really be yourself. Katy Perry is a great example. You know, she started in Christian music and she was like, this is totally not me. And she was building an audience and she was really struggling. And then when she was finally like, you know what? I kissed a girl and I like it. I'm going to go down that road and sing those songs. And like she blew up and now she's on TV and she's got marketing deals because she stayed true to who she was. Like it or not, you have a core of people who are like, I love exactly what you were about, but you have to be willing to show that to them Mm. and share that with them. Now, that doesn't mean open a vein and and ooze all over them. But it does mean be consistently you. I say warts, sparkles and all because we have good days and we have bad days. And it's important for us to to own the 360 degree picture of who we are. None of us is perfect. None of us is going to get this right 100% of the time. Mm -hmm. And the sooner we can be uh, genuine about that, authentic about that, the, the easier it is for our right people to show up. And the beautiful thing about raving fans is you don't need millions and millions of fans and followers. You need a core group of raving fans who line up for everything that you do. I, there's, a, there's a an article, I can't remember it off the top of my head right now, about the the thousand true fans. Mm. Most of us don't even need a thousand true fans. I would say I probably have about 25 true fans right now, and that's more than enough to sustain me living in Nashville, comfortable living, great clients, doing what I want.
1: Wow. Well, talk about your approach, Lisa, to to annual planning when coaching and working with clients. You start with the big picture and then you get really granular next, right?
0: <laughs> yes. I, uh, as a fusion creative, the, the beauty of that is I'm not afraid to get super granular, which can scare off some chaotics hmm. um, and it can paralyze some linears. Linears, you know, they, they can go granular and then they stay with their nose stuck in the details. And chaotics are like, I don't even want to go to the details. I just want to feel what I feel and have my energy out here and just be like, can I just show up? Well, the problem with just showing up is you're always winging it and you're not moving in a direction toward what matters to you. So when I look at annual planning, I always take what are we what are we driving towards over the next 12 months. So we begin by let's define those five key areas. What really matters to you in those five key areas. Now, with that understanding, what is, what are we gonna do in your business that supports you having and achieving those goals? And we take it from an annual perspective down to a quarterly perspective. And I talk about two different kinds of things here. I talk about pumpkin milestones hmm. and radish milestones. If you know anything about a garden, radishes can come up in about 30 days from seed to, to root and it's ready to eat pumpkins take a lot longer. And sometimes you're looking at a green vine for months going, can can we just get a pumpkin? It would be great. Like just something, right? Show me that you're working. And so we have goals like that. It's really nice to think that sometimes, you know, for example, a weight loss goal, I want to lose 100 pounds. Well, okay, that's 25 pounds a quarter. Well, it doesn't exactly pan out that way. Oftentimes, that first quarter is more like a pumpkin. It's figuring out what you're going to do, what gym you're going to go to, maybe hiring a trainer, maybe not, researching meal plans and what's going to work for you. So that first quarter, you might not lose a thing. But once you get traction in doing the thing that you're trying to accomplish, now you can start to see, oh, look, there's a pumpkin on that vine. (laughs) It's tiny, but something's happening. And as long as you keep following the process that you need to follow at the end of the season you will be that much closer to the goal. So you have to recognize is this thing you're trying to accomplish a radish or a pumpkin? Mm. And if it's a radish, you can typically accomplish it in about a month, month and a half, get it on the calendar and, and focus on the action steps versus the goal itself. Because we can't, control the outcome all we can do is influence it Mm. i can't control if jeff brown is going to say hey i love your book let me have you on my show (laughs) what i can do is say hey jeff i've got a book would you be interested and he says let me think about it and then he says yes and i'm like woohoo but i can't control his decision making all i can do is influence it by showing up and doing the work so if it's not scheduled it's stressful. And that's something I always tell my clients mm-hmm. put it in your account. I don't care. Like for years I had to write lunch, bathroom, sleep, shower, exercise. I had to put everything in my calendar very granularly so that I didn't forget or miss to do those things because when my chaotic energy kicks in, it's really easy for me to go down a rabbit hole and spend three hours doing some graphic design work when I should have been spending two of those hours. Well, I don't know, prepping for an interview or something. <laughs> so we, if it's not scheduled, it can be very stressful for you. And And don't let anybody else's judgment around that cloud what you need to do for you because ultimately, Defining success on your own terms means standing in a space where You are taking care of you regardless of what's going on around you. And that can be very challenging sometimes when there's a lot of naysayers around you going, why can't you just be happy with what you have? Why is this so important to you? Why can't you just get a real job like everybody else? And, you know, that's not who I am, man. Let me do my thing. And you have to stand in that space.
1: And Lisa, I just want to say, demonstrates showing up very well. As I hinted at earlier, when she didn't get a response initially, she sat in the front row. She asked the first question. She sent the first email. And here nine days later, here we are. So uh, good job. (laughs) Well, I have some questions I want to ask, not directly related to the book. Lisa, I I think I've managed to pull some insights and key ideas from each of the acts. But before we move into some of those other questions, is there anything else from the book you want to make sure we we walk away with?
0: If you remember nothing from this episode except (laughs) what I'm about to say to you, it's this. Ultimately, it doesn't matter what you choose to do in this life, so long as what you're doing is true to you and you pursue it relentlessly in a way that works for you. Define success on your own terms and your right people will show up. They can't not show up because you're passionate about this thing that you love. It's just about being patient and doing the work.
1: Love it. Well, I want you to think uh, for a moment about uh, some books you've read over the years, the last few years, particularly, Lisa. And what would you say, as you think about that, are the two or three titles, regardless of genre, that, that immediately come to mind as having had maybe the biggest impact on you? And if you can share why or how they impacted you as, as they did.
0: One of, the, one of the biggest ones that really hit me was Devon Franklin's The Hollywood Commandments, hmm. The thing that I love about this book is regardless of your spiritual persuasion, and I mean, he's very clearly a Christian and he very clearly talks and walks in that realm, mm-hmm. he pulls these two concepts together. And if you're about cross-pollination at all and, and, and seeing how to apply one thing to another world... He does this brilliantly. And so he pulls all of these ideas about what it means to be in Hollywood. He's a producer in Hollywood. He's risen through the ranks. He worked with Will Smith. You know, I mean, he's seen everything in Hollywood. And now he has his own production company. And he tells you about, you know, the stages of development for a script and for a film and how to get it out of development and into production and and how to be a person of influence in a very chaotic, very crazy, sometimes very debased environment, how to show up and still own your truth in that place. And then applies these, these spiritual concepts to that and vice versa. So it really impacted me in a couple of ways. One, because of my spiritual walk, but two, because as a person who's running an entertainment media company, how to show up and own my values and be who I am fully and completely, and still be able to find success in a space where sometimes they want you to break the rules and, and and bend the lines and turn a blind eye. And we've seen in the last year how that's really dangerous. And, and what's been happening to be able to stand on your principles, again, regardless of your spiritual affiliation, and be you completely, that book just blew me away. So that one for sure. Um, and then I would probably say, uh, Les McCune's book, Predictable Success, totally changed the way I approached business growth and and how to help clients grow their businesses. The model was just so clear; it was really easy to see. Okay, we're in early struggle. We need to fix that, and we need to fix that fast. And forget about everything else until we get you some money and make you profitable. Then we can look at all the other pretty stuff. Uh, the third book that. I wouldn't be here if it weren't for has got to be Mike McAllowitz's book, Profit First, because that one totally changed my approach and my client's approach to building a profitable business from day one. Um, My clients always have profit now because we use this model Mm. to make sure that they're taking their profit out and they're paying themselves and their companies first.
1: Uh, we were fortunate to have Michael on the show. Uh, Great guy. A couple of years back. I don't recall the episode, but I'll put a link to it in the show notes in case anyone uh, wants to, to check that out. I know you mention it uh, several times in your book. And then you've got a couple of recommendations there, Lisa, that well, we haven't heard before. So that's always good, too. Well, I, I know you're a successful speaker. What would you say are some of your tips you'd be willing to share for delivering a talk that is uh, memorable and, and impactful to the audience?
0: Three things one, practice. I see so many people who go up and and wing it. And I was a winger for a while because I'm very engaging people like me. Um, but when you go up prepared, you can respond to what's going on in the room so much better. And that leads me to point number two. Know your room. And I don't mean... Get a get a letter of description of the types of people who are going to be in the room, you know, who's going to be in the audience from your speaker presenter event planner. I mean, go into the room, shake hands, talk to people, learn some of their stories, because there's nothing more powerful than standing on a stage and presenting your point. And being able to look at somebody in that audience and speak right, literally speak right to that person about their unique situation. I was on a stage once for a direct selling national conference and I had worked the room and, and talked to some people. And one of, the, one of the women in the room had four kids and she was really struggling in her personal life and it was her business that was keep giving her hope. And so to be able to stand on the stage and talk about the power of that business and how it gives people hope and look right into her eyes and say it right to her face, mm. she lit up. She was like, oh my gosh, you're talking to me? And who was the first person in line to buy my book when it was all said (laughs) and done? She was right there. There's there's nothing that beats the power of a personal connection with even just a handful of people in the audience. And so even if you're an introvert, or you're really shy and have a hard time, find one person, connect with that one person and let them know, you hear them, you know them, you see them, you recognize them. And Mm -hmm. if if it's a virtual event where you don't get that opportunity, do your research and, and get to know, read the blog of the person who's hosting it so you see who's commenting. Get to know those people because the more you can connect, the more resonance you can create, the easier it is to have raving fans.
1: Hmm. I haven't had the privilege of, of seeing you deliver a talk, but you've uh, sat through one of mine. Do I get at least a C plus or a B minus?
0: Oh, I give you an A- minus for sure, because you engaged <laughs> with people up front. Um, you were very uh, fun and uh, charming to listen to, and you gave great data, and you didn't hold back. When people asked tough questions, you answered them, and that's, that's a big one, too, because a lot of people will skirt their truth because they think that their truth isn't good enough for people for whoever's in the audience mm. and it's like you know just just tell me the real number so i know what i'm up against and you did that and it was great to hear that so thank you for that uh,
1: I, I wasn't really fishing for compliments i promise I, <laughs> I really i really sincerely wanted to from somebody whose opinion i respect and who had some fantastic advice for public speaking i thought well gosh i, I just need to put her on the spot and ask and see what she is <laughs> and if it's not good i'll just cut it out later i <laughs> Nice. Uh, What might you be working on now that you want folks to know about if you're able to share about it? And where can we find out more about you?
0: Wow. Yeah. So my big thing is Creative Freedom Live that Mm -hmm. I do in Nashville in October. Every year we come together and we're not a big group, but we're a nice tight knit group. And we actually build our annual plans for the next 12 months, um, actually all of 2019. So it'll be the whole year plus a couple extra months because we start in October. Mm. Um, that thing is huge for me because I see people walk out of there with a game plan and they know what their next 12 months is going to look like and how to navigate when things change. Mm. Uh, people can learn more about that at creativefreedomlive.com. Uh, to learn more about me, I'm all over the social webs. <laughs> but my website is lisarobinyoung.com. And if you go there, you can um, take the free quiz to learn your creative entrepreneur type. No opt in necessary. And you'll learn all about the things you didn't know about yourself.
1: Hmm. And that's Lisa Robin with 2 Bs, the author of Creative Freedom How to Own Your Dreams Without Selling Your Soul. Lisa, thank you so much for your time. And I appreciate all you've shared here today on the podcast.
0: Thanks, Jeff. I appreciate you having
1: me. If you didn't get a chance to take notes, never fear. It's easy to remember the show notes page for each episode. It starts with readtoleadpodcast.com slash. And then we'll always end with the three digit episode number. In this case, 221 readtoleadpodcast.com slash 221 for links to the books and other resources that Lisa and I mentioned during our conversation today. I'd like to take a moment to say thanks to Bob in New Zealand who recently gave Read to Lead a five-star rating and review in iTunes calling it his favorite podcast. Thank you so much, Bob. If you'd like to do likewise, five-star or otherwise, you can go to readtoleadpodcast.com slash iTunes or if you're an Android user, consider readtoleadpodcast.com slash Stitcher. Remember Chandler Bolt and I want to send a free book your way a free copy of his book published you get it free when you sign up for his free training on how to write and launch a book in as little as 90 days readtoleadpodcast.com slash published to do that now and we're thankful of course to cloud accounting software FreshBooks making the jobs of creative entrepreneurs everywhere so much easier. Find out more about their free trial at freshbooks.com slash lead. I am I'm so thankful to you for listening to this episode of the Read to Lead podcast. If you have thoughts or feedback or questions for me, you can send those to Jeff at readtoleadpodcast.com. Well, that does it for this week. I look forward to seeing you next time. Until then, remember, leaders read and readers lead. For the ones who get it done, the most important part is the one you need now.